Um, you, you have to have, you can be passionate about it, but, but it, it will never get to the greatness that you are dreaming it will be unless you are obsessed in the making, you know, for a while, at least spending every waking hour working on that business. Um, you know, entrepreneurship is, is not a nine to five job. It's 24 seven job. A lot of, a lot of people, you know, want to start a business and they quit a job thinking they're going to work a 40 hour week. Well, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to have a level of, of obsession that you probably didn't dream possible, uh, in order to make it, to, to make it, make it successful. The other thing is when you're dealing with people, simply do what you say, you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Uh, especially these days, that's rare for people to actually deliver when they say they're going to. In today's ultra competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Hey there, welcome to another edition of The Root of All Success. I am the real Jason Duncan, and I am honored that you are here. I've got a great guest for you today, one that's going to have some pretty cool stories about his dad and about how he started entrepreneurship, et cetera. But, but before I get into that, let me say this. Um, I really appreciate your subscription to this uh, to this podcast on your podcast player, whether you listen to Stitcher, iTunes, uh, iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to it. Thank you for doing that. And I also would request that you take a moment, like if you get to a stop sign, if you're driving your car or something in your parking lot, just flip over to that and, and give me a review. I would really, really appreciate that. Right now, we have all five-star reviews. It means a lot to me. Thank you for that. And if you are an, an entrepreneur who wants to tell your story on this show, uh, just reach out to me at therealjasonduncan.com slash uh, podcast or the root of all success.com. Either one, you, it'll get to the same place. So let me introduce you to our guest today. His name is Jeff Wright, and he's a serial entrepreneur, and he's always exploring new ways to figure out how to deploy his, uh, his abilities into the marketplace. And he started out with a dad that owned every type of business. And he's going to talk about that in the show today, about how his dad had pawn shops and, and bail bondsman stuff. And, and he, he shares some pretty interesting stories about that. And then how he decided he didn't want to take over the family business, went off to college, began uh, running a commercial leasing business. And he's going to tell you a funny story about financing that with watermelons. <laughs> I promise it's going to be a great story. You're going to love to hear that. And then he ended up selling that company in the, in the late nineties and then went on to start ASG, which is uh, an independent marketing uh, uh, organization for insurance carriers. And now he has the ability uh, as the owner of ASG to, he, he 
he's a really great talker. So you can talk to anybody in the, from the bathroom attendant to the CEO of Fortune 500 company. This guy's got some really good chops. He's built a phenomenal company, tried retirement, didn't like it, came back. And he spends a lot of time on his boat, always looking for opportunities for ASG, but does spend some time on his boat when he can. But he's, uh, he's a great guy. I, I really enjoyed getting to know him on the show. And our conversation was full of really good anecdotes and some kind of some interesting introspection into the human condition and psychology, which I don't normally get into in the show, but uh, but we did on this one. So I hope you will enjoy this and I hope you'll welcome Jeff Wright to the show. Jeff, welcome to the show, man. I'm glad you're here. It's going to be fun getting to know you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, um, you know, it's interesting. We were just joking pre-show about how we get connected with people and doing a podcast is one of these crazy, amazing opportunities for me to meet new people, people that I would have never met probably in any other <laughs> walk of life. <laughs> Yet my life is enriched by the folks that I meet. I, I can tell you, I, I don't know what episode number this is because we never really started numbering them, even though somewhere there's a record, but I've been doing this for a uh, year and a half, well, not quite a year and a half, a little over a year. Oh, wow. And uh, man, I've, I've added to my network by meeting people on the show. And so I'm just honored that you're here. I'm glad we're going to do this. I'm excited to hear a little bit about your story. So thank you for being here, man. Oh, thanks for having me. And, and it's, it's great because, you know, the more, the more people you meet, the more opportunities you have, the more chances for opportunities. It's just uh, really, it's just a matter of getting out and, uh, and putting yourself out there. A lot of people don't do that and wonder why nothing ever happens. It's because they don't put themselves out. So uh, yeah. anything you can do to meet people, meet, uh, and, and uh, the more people you meet, the more opportunities you'll have. Yeah. Your network is your net worth. I tell people that all the time, man, you got to expand the network. You never know when that one person, one relationship can change your life. So uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about your life and your entrepreneurial journey. So in the intro, I talked about your, your company, SG, and how you're one of the uh, most successful IMOs in the industry. But I bet you there's a lot of people that don't even know what that IMO stands for. So why don't you give us a little bit of what that is so we kind of know where you are currently, and then we're going to go backwards and we'll talk about where your story began. Well, an IMO is simply uh, an industry term in the insurance business. It stands for independent marketing organization. So essentially, we're a wholesaler. For insurance products, uh, we don't. Uh, me and the and the people that work for me uh, within the company, we don't actually sell insurance. We provide insurance products to other agents, and we provide training, um, lead activity, that sort of thing. So we're we're kind of the uh, we're kind of the the intermediary intermediary uh, between the insurance company and the agents. All right. So in the insurance business, so I want to go back now to your beginning. So I, everybody I interview on this show, they're entrepreneurs and they're very yes. successful entrepreneurs. So where was your, what, what was the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey? Was it as a child, a teenager, college, it was pretty, adult? It Tell was pretty it. much from birth. Um, <laughs> it was pretty much from birth. My, my father owned a lot of businesses. He owned, um, uh, I grew up just south of Atlanta. He grew, he had a, a, a grocery store, a hardware store. He had pool halls, pawn shops. He was a bail bondsman. <laughs> Anything and everything he did. And, um, and, and, you know, I, I was, I was raised up in that environment and, um, you know, and, and you know, and, and I'll be the first to say my dad was no Boy Scout, not, not even close to being one. And, you know, being a bail bondsman, 
we were hanging around a lot of people that we had just bailed out of jail that didn't have money to pay him. So they were working for him. So a lot of my success really was not really what I learned what to do. It was really learning what not to do because, um, you know, a, a lot of these people just, I saw very early on of how consequences, you know, you know, there's a consequence to everything you do. And I saw how people making stupid decisions, um, just the dumbest things would have consequences that they would pay for for the rest of their lives. So, uh, so that's how I got started is, is really just, just working with them. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, we, we know as entrepreneurs that you learn more from failure than you do success. We, we know that success is not a very good teacher because when you succeed, it's like, oh, this worked out the way I hoped that it would. But when you fail, you get all points of data that tell you how to do it better next time. So what I think was interesting about your story is that you're hanging out with these uh, these characters who have made terrible decisions, <laughs> but their mistakes and failures help you learn how to be successful. So that's really that's an interesting thing. So dad, dad, bell bondsman, pawn shop, stores, all this stuff going on. Yes. What, what was that? Was that kind of what his dad did before him or he just this guy that had this entrepreneurial juice? And had no, he was just this guy. You know, he was a rough, tough guy. Never graduated high school. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he died seven years ago. But uh, he was a formidable force. He really was. He didn't care what anybody thought of him. He didn't care what anybody what anyone's opinions were of them. And, and I still, and, and that certainly rubbed off on me. Um, you know, he, he used to tell me early on, why care about the opinions of other people who really don't care about you at all? Wow. And so, yeah. And, and, uh, and there is a lot of, there is a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, but, but growing up where I did and growing up in that environment, um, you, you had to, it's a really good environment of limiting your beliefs. Um, you know, it was a very small community, very small-minded people there. And, you know, you were just automatically told that you could never achieve this. You could never achieve that simply because, you know, they never could or never did, or most of them never even tried. And uh, my father wanted to give that business to me uh, when I when I went to college and, and uh, I, I didn't want it. I, like, I, I just don't want this life. And uh, unfortunately, he and I didn't speak for two or three years. He got really upset. Mm. But uh, but, you know, after that, you know, I became successful. And, and uh, you know, he never told me he was proud of me. Never, not once. But I knew I knew that he was. Wow. So what business did he try to give out, out of all the business he had? Which one was it that he was given, wanted to give to you? Oh, he wanted, he wanted me to take over the whole thing. Oh, so he had all these, he had a conglomeration of these different Yeah, he wanted me to take over the whole thing, and uh, which I could have. I, I mean, I really could have, but just just being in that, and, and and I wanted to live in a different, I wanted to live in a different place. If I, if I would have taken on that business, I'd still be stuck there now. And uh, just wasn't something I wanted. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do things, experience things. And uh, I wanted out of that little world. So, yeah. so I went against him and, and, and actually didn't care what his opinion was of what I did, you know, taking his own advice and yeah. went out and did my own thing. 
Uh, it was Osho who said that the greatest fear that mankind has to overcome is the fear of other people's opinion. That's, that's and uh, exactly I think right. We, yeah, I think we all struggle with that. But the, the those among us who feel the way your dad did are rare. There's very yeah. few people that absolutely do not care. And I look at it as, as a superpower and a weakness. I look at it and on the superpower side is that you're, you're emotionally detached from making other people feel a certain mm -hmm. way about you. And, and it's a healthy thing, but then there's yeah. the negative side. And, it, and I don't want to speak ill of your father, but it sounds to me like there probably was, he was flirting with the negative side of that, where it was almost like, not only did you not care, but there was some arrogance built up in the ability, the fact that you didn't care. Like, I don't really care. And I know some people like that too. Well, like, there, it, he was, he, he, you, you've got him nailed. He was like that in, in a big way. He really was. But um, I think it's, but as entrepreneurs, I mean, isn't that, isn't that the struggle that a lot of us have? I mean, especially if our face is public and we go out, like I'm doing a podcast, you know, I've got this fear that other people are going to think certain things about me. And, and I struggle with it. I struggle with, you know, what are the people from high school who now know who I am? What, what do they think? And I actually, I don't, I don't care, but, but down deep, there's still this thing that's like, you know, what do they think? You know what I mean? And I think your dad would have that good side that that part of it. I wished I had more of that in me. And I, I certainly don't. So, so I had a discussion with my cousin about this. I have a cousin who's a couple of years older than me, who's insanely successful. And, um, we were talking about the lack of support from family because I have brothers and sisters as to he, um, you know, there is a lot of jealousy there. They don't, that you can just feel it, um, you know, between them. And he, he really hit it on the head when he said, they're not mad at you. They're not upset with you. They're just upset with themselves because they weren't bold enough to make the moves that you made Yeah. at the, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, it's all about comparing. We compare ourselves to other people and they yeah, did better. And, and we feel we, it comes out as jealousy, but sometimes it's just disappointment ourselves. And, and, and I think when you're authentic, you know, and, and, you know, and there is a limit, a limitation to not caring about what other people think. There is a, certainly a limitation to that. But I think when you're totally authentic and you do things the way that you do it, you're not putting on airs about anything. Uh, you naturally will weed out the people that you aren't supposed to be around and you will attract the people that you are supposed to be around. You know, it, it's just like dating. Um, I had a, a period of, of, of my adult life where I was single and I just put myself out there real because I think that if you're dating someone, um, you know, everybody tries to put on their best face. They always try to put on their, their you know, put their best foot forward. But I always say in 60 or 90 days, the snakes are going to come out of the closet one way or another. And, <laughs> and so, easy now, easy. Yeah. And, and so, so I, um, um, you know, I, I was very real with, with everyone, you know, you know, every, every, everyone that I went out with, I was very real about that. And uh, it repelled some, it attracted others, but uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I don't want to waste my time and I certainly don't want to waste, I certainly didn't want to waste theirs. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to investigate that little bit of uh, human psychology and sociology, because that, that's not really the point of the show, but I always find it interesting when I hit a, hit a vein on something that I think sure. is interesting. So thank you for doing that. So let, let's go back to your story as an entrepreneur. So dad obviously had big impact on your ability or desire to go into entrepreneurship. 
So you 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 turned him down, said, I ain't doing that. I don't want to own a pawn shop and a bail bondsman, you know, blah, blah, no. blah. I don't want to do that. So you you went off to college? Is that is that where you, you went off to college? I went to college. Um, the first college I went to, I went because that was the one that he thought I should go to. And I, I hated it. And I actually did everything that I could to get kicked out. I, I, I was there two quarters and they kicked me out. I was I was having way too much fun. <laughs> and so... So I ended up ended up landing at the at the school where I wanted to go to begin with, and in my fraternity, um, I was talking to guys that had graduated and had gone off to go work for IBM and all these companies, and I I heard them tell me about all the crap that they were putting up with, you know, you know, being treated bad. Yeah, they were making good money, but you know, they were the newbies. They were getting treated badly and and, and all that. And I knew right away I would be the worst employee in the world. <laughs> so I never even went in that direction. So what eventually what we did was, what I did was I started financing um, fax machines. Now, this was way back when, when a fax machine cost $8,000. You, know, um, you know, what's a fax machine now if you can find one, 20 bucks? Um, we were, I was financing fax machines and then, that grew into doing things like selling, uh, like financing construction equipment, oil drilling equipment. I was doing business globally. And, and in 1999, I sold it. But in the interim, uh, the, the companies that we were selling our paper to were wanting life insurance on these lessees. And I really enjoyed that part of the business. Uh, you know, life insurance business is something that you know everyone just kind of falls into. No six-year-old kid, uh, you know, ever grew up saying, "I want to be a life insurance salesman." You know, it, you know, they <laughs> want to be a firefighter or they want to be a, a cop or, or a race car driver or whatever. Nobody, nobody ever dreams about doing that. And so, um, in 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 the experience that I had with dealing with brokers uh, in the leasing business, um, and, and selling money and whatnot, it gave me a very unique perspective into the life insurance business. So it was actually an, an easy transition and, uh, haven't looked back since. So you, you, it's funny that you mentioned life insurance, uh, obviously that's your business as part of, part yes. of what you're doing, but, but I just, I mean, between my life, I record podcasts on Fridays. That's what I'm doing. Okay. So just today I've been recording podcasts. So I had another, I had another guest on earlier and then I had about 30 minutes in between that, that I had a call booked with my life insurance agent <laughs> to go over <laughs> some stuff. And then, and then, and then, uh, and, and then, and then this show, but here's what's, here's what's funny. So I, so it was more than 30 minutes. I think it was an hour between shows. But anyway, sure. in any way, I had a really bad news delivered to me after the first show. Oh, no. And uh, it, business stuff. You know how that is. I had a business that, you know, anyway, got bad news. So I'm feeling bad. But I had this call with my life insurance agent. And so he, we get on the phone. And he's like, well, how's it going? I said, well, I'm, I had a great week until about five minutes ago. <laughs> and so we started talking here. But the end of the phone call, I'm not even lying about this. I, I said his name. I'm not going to say his name. But I said. I love you. And he said, well, what a flip in the way that what a flip in the way this conversation went. I said, yeah, because because I'm I'm using life insurance to to do some 
protection and investment sure. stuff. And, and, and I'm sure, you know, code words, you and I know what we're talking about. Some of the listeners also may know, but that the yeah. purpose of the show is not to get into that. But anyway, he showed me something that I had, I suspected was about to happen and I didn't know it was going to happen and Holy crap, it's happening. And I'm like, wow. So yeah, I, wow. nobody grows up wanting to be the life insurance guy, but I actually love my guy. I'm, I'm very happy yeah. that I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm not giving myself a plug or anything. I'm not doing that. But I will tell you just yesterday, my trainer at the gym, 41 years old, looks like an Adonis, eats healthy, does everything right. Called me yesterday while I was driving back to Florida in tears. He, he's not, he had not been feeling well for the last week. Um, he had to have his gallbladder removed and they found a mass on his liver and he may have cancer. So it's just one of those things you just never know, you know, yeah. every day that you get above ground is a gift. So, so you started, you started in your, uh, your business doing commercial leasing. Yes. Um, I would be interested to know how you got the capital to do that. Part of the, part of what we're going to talk about later is how you, what your plan was to get your business up and running. And, I, and, and it has to do with capital, but since you were actually renting money to people uh, in a yes. leasing business, which is essentially what that is, how did you get the capital to do that? Well, I uh, always had side gigs, gigs working for my dad. So when, uh, so when I got out of, got out of school, I, I had saved my nickels. Now, so you, you, you self-funded your leasing? Absolutely. Business? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That doesn't normal. That's not normal. Is no, it? I mean, it, no, it's no. not. Uh, you know, you know, who's going to give a 21 year old kid that kind of money, you know, it was either, you know, either that or go work for someone. Um, you know, we did all kinds of crazy stuff to, to make money. Um, we used to haul, you know, this is crazy. We would, we would go to South Georgia with, with a big truck, uh, me and my brother. Uh, we would buy like 2,000 watermelons and buy them for 50 cents a piece, take them to Baltimore, take them to Washington, D.C., and sell them off the truck for five bucks a piece. We'd make two or three trips like that. We, we made, we did really well. <laughs> okay so you're the first arbitrage watermelon guy i've ever seen in my life. absolutely absolutely you know we we could yeah we we could sell all the we we i think the longest it ever took to sell them all was maybe two days most of the time it was usually in a day we'd have the wow and i borrowed the truck from my dad so i didn't i didn't have any bills to pay with the truck other than gas <laughs> that's crazy okay so you so you self-funded your commercial leasing business and then you Ended up selling it, and well, uh, the, the thing is, 90. though, is is that when when you when you do that, how you perpetuate that is you you discount you discount the paper and you sell it to a bank. So that's that's how I, I kept it going. Is we would I would bundle up I would bundle up you know ten or twelve leases, and uh, there was a bank in Canada that we were selling our, our leases to, and. Uh, so you do that and you get, you get paid and you could just do it all over again. How, when did you start that business? In 87. So you had that business for a little over 10 years. Yes. Okay. So you did really well, sold it mm -hmm. out, uh, sold it out and, and found yourself looking for a new venture. And the way I, I talked about in the, in the intro was that you know, because you had learned what that middle thing was being that middleman between the leasing and the fact that these people wanted life insurance on these lessees so that yes, in case they kick the bucket, the lease gets paid off. Yes. Um, you, you, so that's how you got an insurance business, right? 
Yeah, and what it is, and what was interesting is that uh, I, I didn't know when they started required this. I didn't know anything about insurance, so I started referring this this business over to a guy that me and my operations manager knew who lived out in Vegas. And we had referred business for, to him for two or three years. He finally, he invites us out to a Christmas party and we go to this mansion that he lives in. And we're like, there's this, this kind of money and insurance. So it, it bothered me so bad when I got back, we basically suspended business for a week. We started calling all our lessees up, asking them, you know, who did you buy it with? How much are you paying? And all that. And then, you know, just the, the rough estimate. We gave this guy $10 million over, over a three-year period. So we went and got insurance license and licensed and started doing it ourselves. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> We're going to take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. All right. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. So, so you ran, and so that company, is that, is that the current company you still own today? Yes. Okay. And that's ASG. Yeah. Agent sales group. All right. So, uh, so agent sales group, you're selling term life insurance, but you, it's also in mortgage protection too. Is that right? Yeah. We have several, several markets that we, uh, that we specialize in. One is mortgage protection. Uh, we have uh, an office in Los Angeles where we do, uh, we call it a boutique operation where we do some really high-end uh, people, entertainment and whatnot. Uh, they have special needs. Uh, probably the market that I'm the most proud of, though, is we work with a distribution channel that we bring on that does uh, business with first responders. We we insure, you know, uh, for you know, police, fire, EMS in most of the major municipalities in the country. And, and that I'm the most proud of. What is the most interesting thing you've learned about life insurance or any insurance product at all since you got into the business? That the most interesting thing about the, the product itself? Yeah, just in general. I mean, there's so many ways to use and, and, and manipulate appropriately, not unethically, but insurance well, for benefits other than just what you think it's for in face value. Well, you know, the, 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 we have a saying in the business, the best policy to own is the one that's enforced when you die. You know, at, at the end of, at the end of the day, um, you know, you can, you can use the insurance to do lots of things, you know, to, to cover mortgages, to cover obligations and whatnot. And then, you know, we also do whole life policies. We've got groups of agents that do this infinite banking thing where they're basically funding whole life policies to, to, to fund, uh, to, to fund their houses or their cars or the businesses or whatever. It's a very powerful tool. And it's really amazing because of the tax treatment that it gets. Um, I'm amazed the politicians haven't jumped on it uh, yet. And I hope they never do, but you know, these days, who knows? Um, it, it's really, I, I think it's just one of the best vehicles out there to put money in because there's just so many things that you can do with it. Well, that is in fact exactly what I was referring to. Yeah. <laughs> with my conversation with my guy, you know, we've been we've been doing that model for the last three, three and a half year, four years. And okay. it's it's just at this point where it's finally flipping and it's like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, all the years that we put all this money and we're like, why are we dumping this much cash in here? Well, now yeah. we know. 
<laughs> yeah, we, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it it really can become if you fund it right, it it can become an animal of all its own. Oh, it's 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 unbelievable. And and I and yeah. I tell you, man, had I known, listen, you you said people don't grow up wanting to be life insurance salesmen. Had I known in my early twenties what <laughs> this product does. I would have started selling it then, but because I actually was an insurance agent, by the way, I, I had my oh, license right? for, uh, for most of my twenties and thirties, I had my license and I, um, I was in ministry for about 13 years and I, I did, okay. you know, when I was doing pastoral work, I was doing insurance work, life and health insurance to small business owners as kind of a way to okay. supplement my income. But I was just selling, you know, term life and health insurance, that type of thing. I, I didn't, I didn't know. And then when I became, you know, a pretty successful entrepreneur and, and money started, Hey, I need to protect this somehow. Okay. That's when people said, uh, have you thought about this? I'm like, dude, yeah. Dave Ramsey says, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. You, you know, uh, you got Dame, Dame, uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, in Atlanta, we used to have this guy he may still be up there. His name was Clark Howard, who gave all this advice. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it was always amazing to me, people are acting on the advice of people who aren't licensed to even sell what they say you should buy. Yeah. So there, there's no there's no one fit all for, for anything. That's true. That is true. Well, let me ask you this. So um, this show is called The Root of All Success. And it's based on the idea. I've got this idea that there are these five keys to success that every entrepreneur at some point has used to unlock the door to success in their own entrepreneurial journey. Okay. But before I talk about those, I want to ask you, Jeff, what, what is your definition of that word success? How do you define it? I define success as, you know, a lot of people will talk about uh, financial freedom. Okay. And I talk about this often. Financial freedom is not necessarily about being rich. Um, I think success or financial freedom is the ability to do what you want to do without asking permission. So if you if your car breaks down or if you get in a car wreck and you need a new car, if you have to, I don't care how good your credit is, if you have to go to, to the dealer or go to the bank to finance that car, you're in essence asking permission to do it. Um, I got a friend of mine who's a, who's the CEO of a, of a fortune 500 company, he probably made hundred million dollars last year with all his bonuses and all that stuff. We were supposed to go on a fishing trip last year and he couldn't because he got called into a board meeting. Even someone like that has all that money. Is he free? No. And, you know, is he successful? Well, that depends on how you define it. it you know, he didn't feel very successful when he, when he turned it down. So it, it's, I think being successful is being able to, to do the things that you want to do and buy the things that you want to buy without asking permission. Great, great definition. So yeah. based on that definition, would you consider yourself to be a successful person? 100%. <laughs> I love 100%. the confidence. I love 100%. the confidence. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't, uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, I flew yesterday. I didn't want to fly with a mask, but, you know, but I did. So, you know, so I, so I had to seek permission for that, but, but, uh, um, but other, you know, other than that, um, um, you know, I, I generally do whatever I want to do. And if there's something I want, I, I get it. And, and, you know, and, you know, and, and yeah, there are plenty of things out of reach for me, uh, but you know, they aren't necessarily things that I want. Yeah. 
Well, let's let me talk about these keys. So, Jeff, when I when I um, of course I, I just alluded to, I, I spent 13 years as, as in pastoral ministry. Then I spent okay. four years as a school teacher, and that's when I and then then I became an entrepreneur. So the last 12 years of my life have been a whole lot different than the the previous yeah. ones. And uh, at, at, you know, as I started experiencing success on my own as an entrepreneur and a business owner, what I started doing is started paying attention to other people that were also successful and used and usually much more so than me. And I would just sit around and I'd ask them questions because I was a curious person. What, how did you do it? What did you do? And what I discovered kind of accidentally through these conversations is that these five things kept appearing every single time. And so what I do in the show, as I go through, Hey, these are the five things that almost everybody I've ever talked to these show up. And I want to see if they show up in your story as well. So the first one, and they all start with P because as a former pastor, you know, I got to make them all, all okay. have alliteration. <laughs> so they all start with P. Um, so, uh, but there's no poem involved, I promise. So, okay. uh, and no altar calls. So we're going to do this. So, so the first one I believe is, is passion. I think passion is the number one key to unlock success for any entrepreneur. And here's what I mean by that. Normally, when I say that, and perhaps even in your mind, when I said it, you think I mean that you got to be passionate about the product or the service or the business or the industry. That's not what I mean, because okay. a lot of the people who have achieved success were not passionate in the term, in the emotional sense about of passion. Like my my big company that I started was a, a electrical and lighting company. I was never okay. passionate about those things. But <clears throat> what I mean by passion then is the intellectual side of passion. It is the will to suffer, the endurance to suffer for a cause or to endure for a cause. Cause that's actually what the word passion means. If you think about yes. the passion of the Christ, it wasn't that he was excited. It was that he had a mission he was trying to yes. accomplish. So in your life as an entrepreneur, do you see where the willingness to endure helped you become successful? A hundred percent, but I wouldn't call it passion. I think if you're passionate, um, if you look at, I'm, I'm fortunate fortunate enough to personally know four billionaires. They aren't passionate. They are absolutely obsessed. <laughs> so, so you can, to be, to, you know, to be successful in anything, you know, to, you know, that takes passion, but to be great at anything, to, to play a guitar like Eric Clapton or, or to do things that, that other artists do or, or, or anyone in business, it, it takes a level of, of obsession that, that most people are, you know, quite, quite frankly, not willing to do. But to be truly great at anything, you have to be obsessed. I think that's an interesting perspective, one that I would not disagree with. I appreciate the perspective. Mm -hmm. So the second key, Jeff, is that of being at the right place at the right time. And I think that every entrepreneur can usually point to if I wasn't there, or I wasn't here, or if I didn't go to that place, or just the overall time of life in the era that we live in, I wouldn't be able to be successful. What about your story? Is there a particular time or place that you can point to that said, yeah, that's a key to my success? You know, it's funny you say that because the, the, the talking about place, a lot of the, a lot of the situations that I'm in now, the, some of the things that are the most successful and that are the most rewarding financially and personally uh, came from something bad that happened. And, and I, I always look at when I'm in a place where something, something's bad happened, where I've, I've either been wronged or we've had something happen beyond our control that, uh, uh, you know, that, that is called, you know, right on the, on the front end, you would look at it and see it as a disaster. 
I've learned to look for the opportunities in it because there's all there's opportunities and blessings in almost any bad thing that happens, particularly in business. So, uh, you know, so the short answer to that is, yeah, uh, it is a place. But a lot of the place, pl a lot of the places that I've experienced that was when we had things that that didn't go our way. And we looked for the opportunities to where we were actually able to replace that situation with something much better. Yeah. Well, and I, I think we talked about this earlier, you know, your, our ability to adapt, um, yes. you know, is always going to outperform our ability to plan. And a lot of times the adaptation comes through terrible, terrible situations. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been dealing with, uh, you know, the pandemic for the last couple of years. And, you know, if you, if you'd have said five years ago, Hey, this is coming, you need to plan for it. None of us will be able to adequately no. plan for the insanity no. we dealt with, but we, we proceed, we proceeded anyway and we adapted and pushed through. So I really appreciate your perspective on that as mm -hmm. well. Now, the third, the third key is people. It, it's knowing the right people. And sometimes the people that we know helped us become successful were positive influences and some were negative influences. And I really think based on your story that your dad has to at least be one of those people uh, and his influence, not only to understand entrepreneurship and know what it is, but also pushed you in a certain direction that you might not have gone otherwise. So what do you think? Is there a person other than him? Well, the biggest thing with my dad was was not really what uh, the work that he did, but but it was more of of his obsession and his work ethic because he had an insane work work ethic, uh, as I do. I get up at four. I, I couldn't sleep past four a.m. Now, if I tried, because he always kicked us out kicked us out of the bed at four a.m. Um, but yeah, there are other people out there that I certainly uh, would attribute my success to. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, you always say, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Um, you know, you've got to get rid of the negative influences in your life. That could mean your friends, could mean your family, could mean your siblings, it could, could mean anyone. And you, you've, got to, you've got to go out and meet people that are either at or above the level that you want to be. And if that's not possible for you to personally do that, then, you know, the miracle of Google and YouTube, you can certainly, you can certainly meet them that way and watching podcasts and YouTube videos and, and, and reading books and whatnot. You can get influences that way, but uh, you definitely, the people that you're around are a summation of who, you, you know, I'll give you a very quick example. One of the people that, that we do business with, the, the chairman is a four-star general. And uh, whenever I'm with him, we, we seldom actually talk about business. We'll talk about just, just things in life. But just watching how people like that conduct themselves and, and, and the way that they do things and whatnot, it, you walk away from that wanting to be a better person, to, to sharpen up the skills that you have. And those are the kind of people that you want to be around. I love, I love what you said. Show me your friends. Show, I'll show you your future. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a play on that concept of that you're the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. And it's something yeah. that I tell people a lot, especially my kids, you know, I've got a 21 year old son, 19 year old daughter, and, you know, and I, I think that they're, they don't understand the choices of the friends, people they're hanging out with have so much influence that they won't even know for decades. How, yeah, how I mean, you know, there's is. guys that I fish with. They fish every day. They drink every day. You know, they, they don't live the best. And now it's fun to go fishing with them maybe twice a month. You know, that's fun. But if you hang out with that element day in and day out every day, um, you know, it, it's it's not good for you at no. all. 
Absolutely not. No. So we got passion, we got people, uh, place, we got people. So now it's about preparation. And what I mean by preparation being a key to success is that it's the know-how to pull it off. And what I think based on your story that I've heard is that your preparation to be successful at ASG or with ASG is because you were prepared through those times of doing leasing and seeing how that insurance thing worked, becoming that middleman yes. that prepared you to launch an IMO that's become one of the most successful out there. Am I seeing that right? Or how would you, how would you see that? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is about the preparation, you know, when, when, I've gone to I've gone to go make presentations for 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 insurance companies to to try to get a contract with them and whatnot, and I would see other guys there doing the same thing, and none of these guys were prepared. Uh, when I went there, I knew everyone's name, had never met them before, but I did my research. I knew their names. I, I knew, you know, practically everything about them. In fact. Uh, one of the things that I do uh, in terms of preparation is, is, is post meeting and whatnot. I, I am insane about writing thank, handwritten thank you notes. And I have gotten more deals, more business uh, than you could possibly imagine just, just writing a, a simple thank you note to someone. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for dinner. Because no one does that anymore. Yeah, um, I, I'm a big, I'm a believer in that as well. My problem is I write them and stick in an envelope, and they sit on my desk for a couple weeks. And I forget <laughs> to <send them. laughs> no, you 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 know, and and that's uh, the big, and that's the other thing too is uh, preparedness. The opposite of that is procrastination, and and I know there are seven deadly sins, but I think procrastination should be the eighth one because I think procrastination is this like the worst thing you can do. It causes so many problems and issues. Yeah, it leaves too many things undone, creates Absolutely. stress in your life. So yeah. what about the fifth one? The fifth one is plan. Um, and plan usually is perceived as business plan. And I don't, that's not what I mean. What the entrepreneurs that I'm interviewing that have been very successful, they're it was about how they deployed capital to to get their business off the ground, which is why I asked you earlier, sure. how did you fund that leasing company? And then you told us a story about the watermelons, which is really great. So it <laughs> seems to me like that was your plan. And then, of course, once you sold that company, uh, you know, your, your commercial leasing business, you, you had, I would imagine, sufficient equity to do what you wanted and you ended, ended up starting ASG. So that seems to be how you did the plan. Am I, is that right? <laughs> it is, but you know, I have to be honest with you. I, I have, I have never legitimately written out an honest plan. Yeah. I never have. Now I have insurance companies all the time. The end of every year, they want uh, a forecast of what we think we're going to do within the next year. And I'm like, how could I know that? We're going to probably do, you know, more than we did last year, but, but who knows? But the one thing that I do know, as far as the plan is, uh, I always plan on showing up for what I do, pushing the people that work with me and being obsessive about growth. Um, you know, but, but, you know, planning, planning is very important, but I'm more of a action taker than I am a planner. Yeah. You know, the, be the best plans in the world uh, are, are no good if action isn't taken on them. That's right. And, and I think a, a bad plan acted on is better than a good plan never deployed. So you're, uh, I got a really, really important question for you here now. Sure. So you spend a lot of time on your boat. So I yes. want to know what, I don't know what you got. What, what kind of boat? What are you doing? <laughs> Where are you going on the boat? Tell, tell me about that. That's interesting. Uh, you know, it, it, 
I have a 20, I have a 28 foot uh, center console and uh, you know, I like to fish in the Gulf of Mexico and, and, you know, it's, it's funny when I moved to Florida seven years ago, I thought that was all I was going to do. I wanted to kind of throttle back and retire. So I you know, bought this nice expensive boat and uh, it started fishing every day and, and, and it got real old real quick. I got really bored. So my, my retirement, you know, if you want to call it that was very short lived. <laughs> so, so I, I take the boat out maybe, maybe twice a week now for just a few hours. I, I hardly ever, I don't, nothing like what I had planned on doing. See, that was a plan, but that plan, that plan didn't, didn't hold. So when the, the listeners to this show span the gamut of all things entrepreneurship, they've got people that are making nine figures, they're killing it. And they got mm-hmm. people that are barely, you know, barely haven't even started. So yes. I want you to give some advice as we close out the show today. What advice would you give to the person on the front end of that spe- inspect- of that spectrum who's either just started, hasn't yet started, because you're very successful? How would you, what would you tell him or her? What's your piece of advice? My biggest advice to anyone starting a business is if you can't find a level of, of obsession for that business and being obsessed uh, with its growth and uh, whatnot, then then you're not going to be successful. Um, you you have to have you can be passionate about it, but but it, it will never get to the greatness that you are dreaming it will be unless you are obsessed into making you know for a while at least spending every waking hour working on that business. Um, you know, entrepreneurship is, is not a nine to five job. It's 24 seven job. A lot of, a lot of people, you know, want to start a business and they quit a job thinking they're going to work a 40 hour week. Well, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to have a level of, of obsession that you probably didn't dream possible, uh, in order to make it, to, to make it, make it successful. The other thing is when you're dealing with people, simply do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Uh, especially these days, that's rare for people to actually deliver when they say they're going to yep. and work on building as many relationships as you can, both with your customers and, and, and with your suppliers and, and whatnot, just get out and network and build your relationships. If you're almost any kind of business, if you are not getting at least 50% of your business from referrals, you're doing something wrong. You are not building your relationships well enough, well enough. And I'm not talking about getting referrals in that, you know, you're, you're begging people to give you five people to call. You want to give people a level of service and such a pleasant experience that you don't have to ask them for referrals. They will do it on their own. Mm. That's that's, good, that, good that's what you have to do. That's good advice, Jeff. Well, I'm sure that there's going to be people out there that are impressed with you and want to get in touch with you and maybe even look into ASG. So how would they be? What's the best way for them to get in touch? The best way they can DM me on my Instagram. It's the real Jeff Wright. The real Jeff, the real Jeff Wright. Like like the real Jason Duncan. Like the real Jason Duncan. That's right. <laughs> so the real Jeff Wright, and that's W R I W R I G H T and two Fs. Two Fs. I know Jeff. Two Fs. One F. Yeah. J E F F. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. all right. Some people. Some people spell it G E O. You know, I call that G off. But yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you the last word, Jeff. Anything you want to say as we uh, close out today? 
Thank you for having me on. And uh, I really appreciate getting to talk to you and, get, and getting to know you better uh, as well. But uh, you just, like I said before, you want to be obsessed with what you're doing. Um, you know, being driven will get you good. Being obsessive will make you great. Um, the one thing that I, that, I've tell, that I told my kids and I still tell them now is, you know, to be successful in life, you have to be on time. No one's on time anymore. And do what you say, what you, do what you're supposed to do when you say you're going to do it. And it's just those two things, Jason, that just make uh, you stand out. And it, it, it's easier now to stand out more than ever. It's just simply keeping your word. And the person that you need to keep your word to the most is yourself. If you spend, uh, imagine what your life would look like if you spent 30, 60, 90 days not breaking promises to yourself. Your yeah. body would look different. Your bank account would, would look different. Your relationships would look different. Everything would. It's just keeping your word to yourself and not letting yourself down. Wow. Good stuff. Way, good job. Good way to end the show. Jeff, yeah. thank you so much for being here, man. I appreciate you being on today. Hey, brother. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur telling about his story of how he became successful. And I love his definition of success, ability to do what you want without having to ask permission. So you got to ask yourself, do you have the ability to do what you want without having to ask permission? And the answer to that for most of us is probably no. And the reason it's probably no is that we can't, we, we haven't designed our business in such a way that it allows us to automate it so that we're not in the center of it. You know, the thing is, he talks about, Jeff talked about in the show about being obsessed and he's right. You have to be obsessed. You got to be passionate. You've got to make sure that in those early years, everything about what you got going on is hundred percent on that business, but that's not sustainable. You can't do that forever. And if you do that forever, you become a, a hostage to your own company and you, you experience something like the Stockholm syndrome, which is where you fall in love with your captor and your captor is your business. So if that's where you are and you admit that you need out of that and you want to escape the entrepreneurial rat race. That's what I do every day for entrepreneurs all over the world. I run a business accelerator program that it goes through my four strategies on how to get yourself out of that condition, how to set yourself free from your business to get more money, more time, more freedom to build the next big opportunity without having to sell your company. It's not about selling. It's not about walking away. It's about continuing to own that company, but structuring it in a way that you have access to do what you want when you want without having to ask permission, just like what Jeff talked about on the show. If you want to know more about how about, about how to get in touch with me on this issue, go to exitwithoutexiting.com, exitwithoutexiting.com, and I want you to sign up. Go ahead and sign up for the next live group coaching cohort that I run. It's a cohort model. So you're going to get to meet other entrepreneurs just like you. You get to work with me one, uh, you know, I'm going to be live one-on-one -on -one with you. And of course, everybody else in the group, we're going to work together to go through these four strategies to get you unstuck from your business and on to the next big adventure. Go to exitwithoutexiting.com. Please tune in again next week when I talk to yet another a very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, remember, I am the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com 
to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.